Father, we thank you for bringing us all here together today. God, help us to bless the salty as you bring us your word, and we thank you for your gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to be reading from Psalm 105, Psalm 119, beginning at verse 105, which is the gems theme verse. And first, because I'm a little bit of a nerd and I can't help it, I'm going to tell you some things about this psalm uh, that I find to be very interesting. First, you might know that this is the longest psalm in the Bible, 176 verses. I have not made it through in one sitting yet, but it's structured in a very particular way. Oh, and by the way, if you're using one of the green Bibles, you're going to turn to the first set of page numbers. I think it's page 441, and it's structured in a very particular way. Uh, It's called an acrostic psalm or poem because each of the sections starts with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it goes in order through the entire alphabet. And then each of the stanzas and each each of the verses or lines in each of those stanzas begins with that same letter. So you can't tell that from looking at the English, right? That they all start with the same letter. So it's, you know, it was crafted very carefully and crafted very uh, studiously, but it's also crafted in such a way that it covers a broad broad theme but in each stanza has its own little theme within that larger conversation about why the word of god the law of god the statutes of god the ordinance of god the rules of god all of these different terms that the psalmist uses why that stuff matters the entire psalm is a psalm that tells the people of god that what god describes in his word His story can be lived out in this real life that we live. And in fact, it is the word of God which guides us. And in fact, as the the stanza that we're going to read together here, we will find out that we have the power to choose it, to live that word of God. So this is the noon stanza, the letter N-U-N, Psalm 105 to verse 112. Psalm 119, verses 105 to 112. I don't know why I keep messing that up. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to observe your righteous ordinances. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your decrees are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. 
This is the word of the Lord. So do you get the feeling that the psalmist is committed and that it is a willful, purposeful choice on his part? I, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it. Confirmed it meaning I have done the work of proving it to be true in my life. To observe your righteous ordinances. And even when I am severely afflicted and when I am attacked and judged and belittled because of what I am doing, I will pray to you, God, to give me life. But not just any life, not just the life that I want, but the life that is lived according to your word. A life that is lived according to your design. So accept these offerings of praise, O Lord, and continue to teach me your ways. I know that this journey of obedience does not end when I praise you, God, for the works that you have done in my life. But this journey continues through my continuous learning about you. And this is my favorite verse. I hold my life in my hand continually. But I do not stray. But I do not forget your law. I hold my life. I have power to do something with my life. I have power and the ability to make choices that decide the kind of life that I will live. And even knowing that I have power, I do not forget how you would have me live. This recognition that God has given us freedom and free will, but has also given us a picture of what the life lived for him looks like. And this is before Jesus, who gives us the clearest picture of what a life lived in obedience to the will of God is. I have the power to choose to never forget how God has meant for this world and for me to be. And though the wicked have laid a snare for me, and though people always try to entice me to do things a little differently than how God would have me do them, I am not going to stray from the way that the lamp of the Lord, his words, are guiding me. For this lamp is on a path. Your decrees are my heritage. So God's ways are my future hope. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes, to do your will forever, to the end. Come what may, I have decided to follow in the way of God. I have chosen to be obedient to what the Spirit has laid before us through God's word. I am choosing to follow the way of Christ. 
in this world of darkness. You notice that this psalm takes as the starting point that we are in darkness without the revelation of the Lord. Because your word is a lamp to my feet. And without your word, that revelation of who God is and what God is about and how he loves us, we are in darkness. But once we receive that revelation of God and step into the light and follow it where it leads us, we come to know what following the way of God, both before Jesus and when Jesus came, truly means. Eugene Peterson, when he talks about the Sabbath, because this is really what we're talking about, choosing a different kind of way, choosing the way of God, writes that the world is a seductive place. And once we begin to cater to its interests, appeal to its curiosities, shape our language to its idioms and syntax, embrace its criteria of relevance, we abandon our basic orientation, which is towards God, which is in the light of Jesus who came to earth to show us the way which is in the presence of the Holy Spirit who God has brought to this earth to continue to show us the way, as revealed not only in his word, but as it's testified and proven through the word in our hearts. And we are people who hold our lives continually in our own hands, knowing that we are held in the hands of God, but that we hold our lives continually in our own hands, and can choose to not forget all that God has done. To choose to not forget all that God has taught us. To choose to not forget all that the lamp has shone and made clear to us about God in our lives. Because when we follow what seems good in our own estimation, Calvin, John Calvin says, we inevitably become entangled in inextricable and frightful mazes. Have you ever felt like you're lost in a maze that you trapped yourself in? I know that feeling. And it's usually when I have decided what the end has to be instead of seeking to be obedient to where the lamp is bringing me. Instead of seeking to live with the kingdom values that we see in scripture and choosing to seek what is best, in my opinion, for me. But when I say, Lord, you are the lamp and the light and you are the way and the path. When you, Jesus, are my truth and my good shepherd whom I follow, When you, Jesus, and your word are what I feed on as the bread of life. Then I know that I will be following in your paths of righteousness. And I choose 
to have my life speak your story with how I live it. We have the privilege this morning of hearing uh, Margaret Ross's testimony and profession of faith. And I have been meeting with Margaret over the last year, and she's given me permission to introduce her to you. Um, Margaret and I have been meeting over the last year to read scripture together. And Margaret has always known God in some way, but she's decided in this last season of life to know God to come to understand who Jesus is and what that means for how she is going to live. And it's been really exciting for me because we're reading the Gospel of Matthew and we've started in the the genealogy. And I remember we were going through all the different characters that are in the genealogy of Jesus and all the different kinds of people who are in that story. And Margaret's like, oh, that's me. Oh, that's my family story. She could see herself so clearly in that story of God. And then there was the time where wondering what's next for her life and what the call of the Spirit is for her. And I said, well, you have to wait upon the Lord for that. And like most of us, Margaret said, I don't like waiting. And so I gave her all the different verses in the Bible that talk about waiting to read and it started to make sense and it helped her to do that waiting with God because it's waiting for God and then just this weekend when we were talking about this event Margaret emailed me and she said I found my new favorite verse she's got a lot of favorite verses which is awesome I know why now God has given me the desire to be with broken people. Because in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus says, I came not for the healthy, but for the sick, for the people who are broken, to bring them back to the Lord. And so God has given me the desire that is his desire. This is the power, my friends, of letting the word of God be the lamp to your feet and letting Jesus be the light to your path. Now, Margaret hasn't been in church with us very often. In fact, this is her first Sunday here because Margaret, until very recently, had hearing issues from some past events in her life. And different noise levels uh, really affected her ability to be comfortable. But she's recently gotten a cochlear implant. And so she's learning to hear again. And so if, if you can be patient when you talk with her, she's still practicing that and hearing different tones and different ways that people talk. But she wanted to have her baptism, which is a symbol of being in God's family, also be a symbol of her being part of this church community. Even though she knows, and we know, different groups of us know, that she's been part of this church family all along. So Margaret is, this, is, is our living example this morning of our sermon text. And with that in mind, I want to transition us to her profession of faith.
So brothers and sisters in Christ, the sacrament of baptism, which we're going to do at the lake after the worship service because we don't have a big tank and also because Westwood Lake is a special place for Margaret, um, reminds us and assures us that we share in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and that we are incorporated into Christ's holy church. Baptism proclaims the faith of the church by the sign of water, God cleanses from sin. By the sign of water, God renews our life. And by the sign of water, it prefigures the reconciliation of all things that are promised in Jesus Christ. In baptism, we are promised the gift of the Holy Spirit as a pledge of this reconciliation. The same Spirit binds us to each other and joins us to Christ's ministry of love, peace, and justice. So Margaret Don Ross comes before us to make public profession of faith and to receive the sacrament of baptism. In presenting yourself for baptism, Margaret, you announce your love for Jesus Christ, your eagerness to participate in the life of Christ's body, the church, and your commitment to live as Christ's disciple in the world. With joy, we celebrate together the gift of God's grace in Christ for you. So, Margaret, will you stand now and come up to the front here? And in the presence of God and his people, respond to some questions. Yep, come on up. So we're going to do the questions now on the paper that I gave you. (laughs) If you do, it's okay. We, We are okay with expressions of all kinds of emotions. And you wouldn't be the first person to cry today. There was a kid crying outside. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're here. And this is for you. Okay. So, Margaret, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, sent to redeem the world? Do you love and trust him as the one who saves you from your sin? And do you, with repentance and joy, embrace him as Lord of your life? I do. Do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? revealing Christ and his redemption, and that the confessions of this church faithfully reflect this revelation. I do. Do you accept the gracious promises of God sealed to you in your baptism, and do you affirm your union with Christ and his church, which your baptism will signify? I do. And do you promise to do all you can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to strengthen your love and commitment to Christ, by sharing faithfully in the life of the church, honoring and submitting to its authority? And do you join the people of God in doing the work of the Lord everywhere? All right. And do you, the people of God, promise to love, support, and encourage Margaret as she continues to grow in the ways of our good God? Amen. So do you mind if we lay hands on you while we pray? I forgot to ask you that before we started. Okay, so would anybody who would like to uh, join me in praying a short prayer for Margaret come up now? That'd be great. And I'll hold this for you. And I'll have you stand a little bit lower. All right. And if you want to just hold your hands open... As a way of praying uh, for Margaret as well, that'd be great. 
So, oh God, like a good shepherd searching for a lost lamb, like a woman looking for a lost coin, like a father redeeming his son, your love is rich beyond our deserving. You never forsake us no matter how far we move from you. We thank you for all you have done for Margaret. And we pray now that you strengthen her by the Holy Spirit, that she may grow in faith and increase in love for you. May her service and witness bring your honor and glory in the name of Jesus Christ. And she is our sister whom we love. But we know, God, that you love her more than we could ever love her. And so we pray, God our Father, that you continue to lift and raise her up, to continue to tell your good story in her life. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I have the joy of the Lord when I giggle like that, just so you know. So Margaret's going to share part of her story with us now. Are you ready? All right. Morning. Today I celebrate life from an early age. I was in chaos. Passed around in foster homes and experienced the horrors of trauma. I was finally adopted, but the emptiness I felt was intensified by events that no child should ever have to endure. The innocence of just being a carefree little girl was robbed from me. I was taught that fathers hurt you, that love hurts, that trust hurts, and that all three betray you. I also discovered, before I was even a teenager, a new way to cope with all of that. From my first drink and my first drug, an alcoholic and drug addict was born. That euphoria I got from it temporarily killed any demons from my past, but eventually it too became my enemy. As my addiction progressed, so did the hatred for myself. And my actions reflected that. All I ever wanted in my life was to be loved, accepted, and protected. I married into domestic violence before I was 18. For years, my life spiraled out of control. God's blessing to me in that 13 years of marriage was four amazing, beautiful boys My final night there was I laid in a heap of bruises and tears, feeling absolutely defeated. I finally cried out, God, if you do exist, I beg you, help me or let me die. Praying was the last card I had to play. I was done. I left the following day. I could never have done that on my own. The power of prayer, the power of surrendering, and a tiny, 
mustard seed size of faith led me to freedom. God led me to a 12-step program with folks who used to be like me, but they changed. They were so happy. He led me to healing and forgiveness. With each step, I gained love, trust, and even more faith that God truly loves even broken people. Facing the demons of my past head-on, clean and sober, became the foundation of the most incredible journey to love, strength, trust, healing, and above all else, faith. Since February 12, 1998, and with the Lord by my side, I have remained clean and sober through many, many obstacles. Today, I no longer hurt. In fact, my past has built me to be who I am and for what I stand for. My four sons and I have the most solid, respecting, and loving relationship today. I have an incredible bond with my four grandchildren, and I praise Jesus at every corner of my life for all of that. Today I can say I am worthy and I am a good person. I am not what happened to me. I am what I've become. I can honestly say to that reflection, looking back at me in the mirror every day, I am proud of you. That once hollow, broken, empty shell of a spirit and soul I had for so long has been replaced and filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit. Today I'm committing my heart, mind, spirit, and soul to my Savior, my King, my true Father. His grace and love and protection is deeply embedded into my heart, my passions, and my convictions. Because of God, I realize after 53 years, I am worthy, I am accepted, I am protected, but most of all, I am loved. And all God's people said, Amen. (laughs) So if you want to watch Margaret and I very coldly take a dunk in the lake to celebrate this gift of life and worth and acceptance and love of God for her and to remember these are the promises that are for you as well. We welcome you to join us at the lake around 11.50, we think, is when we'll be doing the baptism. Uh, And to respond with gratitude in our hearts for this testimony of what God has done in the life of Margaret, we're going to sing a song that means a lot to her. We're going to sing Amazing Grace with the My Chains Are Gone uh, chorus. So I invite you to stand to celebrate. (laughs) 